0: Welcome to Monday Mornings with Michelle, the new business podcast. Whether you're kicking off your day or kickstarting your business, Michelle is going to kick your ass into next week with the essential fours. Strategy, systems, support, and state of mind. Now, welcome to center stage, Michelle Nedelec.
1: Hey there, peeps, this is Michelle Nedleck, and I am super glad that you're here with us today because I am here with the most amazing guest. You're gonna love him. Andrew Ryder is here with me today. How are you doing, Ron? Andrew,
0: <laughs> uh, I'm doing well. Thanks, Michelle, for having me.
1: Awesome. Sorry about that. I get so excited. I almost called you by the last name. So, no, no <laughs> <laughs> so give us a five thousand foot view of who you are and what you do.
0: Sure. So, uh, you know, I will say that it's it's actually really surprising how many people call me Ryan because the first two letters of my last name are R-Y, and the first two letters of my first <laughs> name are A-N. And you know when you're looking at, you can do this too. There's little tests you can do online where they'll rearrange all the letters in a word and they'll keep the first and last letters and you can still read it just fine. You don't even notice, right? I rock
1: those and things. I love them. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. you don't even realize totally street, until they're yeah. like, oh, by the way, all the letters are out of order. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so high-level overview I work with entrepreneurs, generally solo entrepreneurs, small businesses in coaching or consulting type uh, niches or course businesses. And I help them to create better content and exhibit better leadership in whatever space they're in. So we, we work a lot on content creation, creating unique, content that, that differentiates you and your brand and your vision from everything else that's on social media or all the other emails that you're getting to, you know, help these people to achieve that dream that they have for their business.
1: Nice. Love that. And when you say better content, what do you mean by that?
0: The first place I like to start is by making things, um, unique, adding a little bit of a personal touch to it. You know, mm-hmm. there's uh, there's sort of been a trend in the online coaching, online business space to try to systematize the content creation process and make it sort of a step-by-step process that any, any entrepreneur can follow, right? Mm-hmm. And in, in doing that, you know, I, I think these people had really good intentions with that. But what's happened is now, a lot of the content sounds and is structured in very very similar ways coming from different people. and I've even I've even noticed that often I can tell what courses someone has taken just by looking at their content and seeing that they're using certain structures or certain outlines or templates or whatever from a course that I took or a course that you know someone I've talked to who shares their content strategy. So you know that's obviously, really bad, right? (laughs) Uh, If, if you're sounding exactly like someone else, you're taking away your number one selling point, all of your uniqueness, everything that makes you who you are and what makes your business different from your competition.
1: I I personally love this because um, when we, when I first started going into teaching adult education or adults, Uh, One of my mentors was Bob Proctor. Love, love, love pieces. And his big thing was, tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them what you told them, what you were going to tell them, and then tell them what you told them. And that format, I get that a lot of people need. And I also get that it's one of the most effective ones in universities, but it drives me crazy. But I think it's just because I'm a high D and all I want to know is just what do I need to know? And the first time I heard it when you introdued it, it's like, okay, I'm done. Need <laughs> the rest of it. And now I'm waiting for an hour to go over the rest of it and waiting for everybody to catch up and hear the stories and do all the things. It's like, no, I got it in the first 10 minutes. This one's good.
0: Yeah. You know, I think there is there's a lot of value in repetition for a lot of people. You know, I've I've heard that it takes seven attempts or seven repetitions for someone to really fully understand or to even consider taking your advice. And so it's it's sort of an art as to how you put all of those different attempts in front of someone in a way that's not quite as, let me tell you what I'm going to tell you, tell you let me tell you what I told you. And then let's have a summary and wrap up. And I'll tell you, you know, I think there's, there's more creative or at least entertaining ways to do it. And it also doesn't have to be all in one sitting too, you know, you can, you can have a training and tell them something and then you can have a piece of content or an email that shares uh, maybe a slightly different angle or perspective on the same thing. And through all of those different ways that you're interacting with your audience, you can add it up pretty quickly, but by keeping and maintaining that engagement and that um, entertainment as well.
1: Nice, so how do you do that? What's what's kind of your key to being able to entertain, not bore them? <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> Still well, get the information know, out. Yeah, um, you know, my go-to is always storytelling. And I I, Start by explaining that storytelling has basically biologically been the way that humans pass information amongst each other. You know, if you look at major religions that have been passed down for thousands of years, or or like Greek and Norse mythologies, or you look at, you know, I can remember the the plot and and all of these weird details from uh, Disney movies that I watched when I was a kid. And I struggle to remember a blog post that I read last week that had a bunch of technical information in it, right? And so how is it, you know, I can remember a movie from 25 years ago and see all the scenes in my head, but I can't remember something that I read last week. And a lot of that is because of just our affinity for stories. And not only is it easier to remember, but you know, it's, it's, I think it goes without saying that, like, if you look at the movie industry or theater or TV or any of those things, you can tell stories in a way that are super relatable and super interesting and just addicting to people if you do it correctly.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, and I was just going to say that there's, I think it's also easier to Because people, you know, everyone likes to think that they're logical. If some people will say, Oh, I'm completely emotional and I know that I make all my decisions emotionally, but I feel like, and maybe it's a lot of men who are like, No, I'm extremely logical. I make all my decisions are fact-based, and then they go and make emotional decisions, right? And so everyone makes decisions emotionally. And so if you're if you're trying to persuade someone, say that they should purchase your program or that maybe even they should consider solving their problem in using your type of approach, right? Because a lot of times people don't even know that what you do even exists, right? So the first thing you have to to explain to them is, hey, you know, this could actually be applied to your problem and it could actually solve it in all these ways that are better than maybe what you've tried before, right? Right. But storytelling gives that emotional engagement, that emotional appeal, rather than just, you know, here's a five-point checklist. You know, those are kind of the popular things, right? It's like three ways to increase your headline conversions, or it's top five ways to get more engagement on your Instagram stories, or stuff like that, where it's really um, sort of SEO-optimized for um, for search, but it's not necessarily optimized for that human to human experience where you're really going to persuade someone or evoke emotion in them or cast a vision for them about how they can solve that problem.
1: Nice. so you bring up a ton of questions for me, such as, would you tell a story in your subject lines or is it like absolutely get those Titles that capture people, but then when in, in your content, then there has to be a story or do I have it totally off base? Uh, no,
0: no that's, that's good. Yeah. Uh, so I guess I would, the, f- the thing that I would say about subject lines is you obviously you want to have good subject lines. You don't want to tr- purposefully try to have bad subject lines, right? I am not as focused on the subject line, especially when it comes to email. I'm more focused on the from line. And by that, I mean, who is sending the email? Uh, I know personally, when I go into my inbox, I you know, follow a handful of marketers, people who I learn from, people who I respect, people who, some people I'm not that into and I'm just on their lists, you know? And, and I have a list of three or four people who email me and I instantly delete it. And I have a list of three or four people who I always read their stuff. And I'll, I have to catch myself sometimes because I'll start reading an email and I'll be like, wait, 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 I have to go back and I need to read the subject line because I just skipped right past it. You know, I was like, oh, this email, I love this guy, I'm going to start reading. And I have to go back and be like, wait a minute, I'm reading his emails to learn how to become a better marketer and I need to di- uh, dissect how that subject line ties in a- into the the um, body of the email and, and, you know, really break it down. So, you know, I found that by building relationships with your audience instead of really instead of trying to just get transactions from them um this is a big focus in what i do and and we can talk more about this i didn't want to get too far off track uh cuz i do want to answer your question but i focus do. on building relationships mm-hmm. and by doing that you're more likely to get people to open your emails just because they know you, they like you, they want to hear from you. They, they realize that you respect their time and you provide valuable content to them. So, right. Like I said, you definitely want to have good subject lines. I generally try to go for a a curiosity type of appeal in the subject line. Um, not so much of a story there, but I'll usually have some sort of story And, and, you know, story is a, it could be a sentence or two. It could be, a paragraph or two. You could even write an entire book, right? That's a story. Um, but I'm usually in about two to 400 words, usually about 300 words per email. And I'll have a, a good um, story in there and then spend a little bit of time breaking down how that story relates to content creation or business strategy, marketing strategy, or leadership or whatever it is that I'm trying to teach in that email
1: nice so what if somebody says like i'm just not good at telling stories i i I think a lot i tell people what to do a lot but i'm not really a storyteller what would you say to them
0: so a lot of times the problem is a lack of ideas uh like you'll sit down to write and and there's this sort of um well it's jim collins calls it a doom loop in his book good to great which is sort of the opposite of a flywheel, in, in that um, a flywheel is a concept that a lot of big businesses use to basically get you get it's like a snowball. You roll it once and it picks up a little bit more snow, and so it grows. And then you roll it again, and it picks up more snow, right? And eventually, it's big enough. You watch the cartoons, and it runs you over <laughs> as you're going running down the hill trying to escape it, right? That's mm-hmm. the idea of a flywheel, and trying to build that momentum to where your business is moving so fast that you can't even stop the growth, right? It's, it's um, anyway, so the, the doom loop is the opposite effect. And this is where I see a lot of people get stuck with content is they'll publish something and they won't get, you know, they'll spend a lot of time on it. They'll think it's pretty good. They publish it and they don't really get any results. It's crickets. They don't get the feedback or the engagement that they were expecting to get. And And I think there's, you know, a couple of different things that could be going on there. But after that happens a couple of times, you start to think to yourself, maybe it's me. Like I don't know, maybe I'm a bad writer, Maybe I just even go so far as to say like maybe I'm not cut out for this entrepreneurship thing. You know, a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs who are trying to get into that space and, and really make their mark and just get started out in whatever niche they're in. It's really hard to get, attention you know there's so many other things going on and and it's easy to fall into that trap of like i'm not good enough which then just makes content creation such a chore and you hate it and then it gets worse and then you start skipping days and before you know it you're completely burnt out and you're taking time off and so that's that's the doom loop right (laughs) and so (laughs) sure is that yeah and that's a that's a horrible place to be and I think, you know, there's a couple ways to combat that, but the place that I like to start is with the idea that virality equals value. So a a lot of people will say, oh, you know, I'm like, I'm posting super valuable content, super good tips. Um, you know, it's well-written, it's well-edited and I don't get any response. And the, the reason for that, it's kind of a chicken and the egg thing is because when you're starting out, no one is going to be looking at your content. And so you're not gonna get any engagement because no one's looking at it, but you have to then have engagement in order to, you have to have attention in order to get more attention. And it's because there's so many, you go on social media, you go on the internet, wherever you are in life, in this world, you're constantly being bombarded with marketing messages and call to actions and you know, buy this or look this way or act this way. There's just too much information. And so oftentimes it's not even that your content is bad. Oftentimes it is good. It's better than your competition who's outperforming you because they already have attention. And it's because people are using other people's attention as a proxy for what they, what they should look at. So by that, I mean, we're too busy. We're too overwhelmed by all of the information out there to go and evaluate all of these things individually and actually make an informed decision as to whether or not it's valuable or it's worth our time. And so what we do instead is we look at what other people like. And so we end up watching the YouTube videos that have gone viral, or we end up Liking the Twitter f- feeds or the Twitter posts that are, you know, the, the, the most retweeted or right those types of things, not necessarily the best you know, v- viral content can be good. That's, that's certainly a possibility, but virality and, and like actual value are not the same thing, but we've, we've replaced value with virality.
1: Yes, we have. And it is a cultural problem, my friend. Yes, it is. So what are some of the ways that um, business owners can get engagement? Like, because I know that asking a question isn't going to do it. Um, You know, posting, you know, like, hey, what do you want to hear from me? I I personally don't think anybody cares. Um, Like, but I know that there's a couple of secrets to the trade.
0: Sure. So the first thing I want to say is yeah, I think there's a there's some advice to ask for feedback from your audience. You know, hey, what do you what do you want to hear about? What do you want to learn? What uh, what would be valuable to you? And there's definitely a place for getting that feedback and building it into your programs and your approach and your marketing. But I do want to play a little bit of devil's advocate here and just ask the question: Do you think that? people are following you because they want to tell you what to do or because they want you to tell them what to do. And so oftentimes it's better to tell them what to do and tell them why it matters and cast that vision for them as to how it's going to change their life, how what, what you already know, what you've done personally or what you're an expert at, rather than trying to figure out what they want.
1: Nice. So so in the world of engagement, what kind of things are getting people's attention in a valuable way?
0: The, I, you know, I think my approach to engagement and to, my approach to engagement is based on positioning. And so, you know, I, I've been, my fiance and I have been watching this TV show lately, Suits. Um, I don't know if you've ever <laughs> no, watched serious. it. It's yes. <laughs> yeah, it's such a great show. And uh, I, you know, I watched the first couple of seasons uh, of you know back when it came out, and it kind of just died off, fell off my radar. And so we we finally um, we just got into it, and we're in season four right now. Um, so I'm like past all of the things that I knew what happened and into the new stuff. And yeah, it's so great. And there's so many good uh, like marketing and sales lessons if you're really looking at the way. So I guess for, for people who don't know what Suits is, it's a TV show about uh, New York City, really high-end uh, defense attorneys. They work for billion billionaires and, and huge companies and they defend them from questionable things that they may or may not have done. Uh, and it sort of chronicles the journey of, of these lawyers. And of course, there's a whole bunch of plot twists and interesting things that happen along the way, which I won't spoil. But yeah, just w- watching, we um, were talking about positioning and watching the way that you, I think Harvey and Jessica specifically are positioning themselves in with clients and with um, not just with clients but even internally within the firm because all of these lawyers are super just aggressive and if you give them an inch they'll take a mile and and the same is true for the clients as well. And so you have to position yourself in a place of authority and one of the one of the um, Interesting ways that, that um, one of the interesting things that spoke to me was, I think, in one of the very first episodes in season one, and Harvey, who is the, you know, he's the hotshot, he's the guy, he's the big closer. Uh, he is tasked to go close this new client. And he goes out and, you know, this guy's a billionaire and he's maybe a little full of himself, thinks he can get away with anything, thinks he can push people around. And so Harvey goes up to him and the guy's just finishing uh, a game of tennis and they meet for the first time and Harvey hands him a big you know, yellow legal envelope. So the guy opens it up and he, he looks through and it's a bunch of photos of him having an affair. He's, he's cheating on his wife and there's a whole bunch of pictures to prove it. And the guy says, are you blackmailing me? And Harvey says, no, of, of course not. But if we're gonna be in business together and I could dig this up in a week, imagine what your competitors could dig up in a month or a year or five years you know to build a case against you and and take you down and he says harvey says you know if you're if we're going to work together we need to make sure that you get this taken care of because it doesn't do me any good if you go out of business because i'm not going to have you as a client if you go out of business and and the guy responds. He's like, Oh man, I, I thought you were going to woo me. You know, Jessica said, you were going to woo me to get my business. And Harvey says, I'm not interested in getting your business. I'm interested in keeping it. I just love that line so much because it's, it's, you know, as they say in the show, you don't negotiate from a position of weakness. You negotiate from a position of strength and, you know, if Harvey goes in and he woos him to try and get his business and he's begging him, which is a strategy that a lot of people, you know, if we're tying this back to uh, to business, it's a strategy that a lot of people take, which is like, I'm going to send all these DMs. I'm going to beg people, you know, for lack of a better word, to come and do business with me. It puts you in a position of weakness, but you know, Harvey comes at it from a position of strength and says, look, We're going to be in business together for a long time. Here's all the things that I'm going to do to help you solve this problem that you currently have. And we're going to tackle any more problems that come up along the way. But it's not just about getting your business today. It's about keeping it for the long term. So, you know, there's there's good positioning lessons there. And there's also just good business strategy in there as well that, you know, I just, I just love that show. (laughs)
1: That's awesome. Yeah, we could talk about a lot of series of Netflix in a lot of content.
0: yeah, definitely. Maybe we'll have
1: to do that next time. We'll, we'll start a little episode on go watch this episode and come back and we'll talk about it. Yeah, that'd be fun. Give, give me some of the myths of content creation that a lot of business owners get stuck on.
0: Some of the mess, did myths. you say?
1: Myths. myths. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, I'm not sure From I understand <laughs> the, the question. Um, Yeah. So I think I think we've covered a couple. So the idea that posting, and especially in today's world, I think even more so the, um, the idea that posting valuable, all your best, like I hear this all the time. um, If you give away your best information for free, you will I guess, impress people enough to think, wow, uh, if that's what they give away for free, their program must be amazing. And I think that's that's not necessarily a myth, but because I think there is some merit in that. But I think what works more so, and what we're seeing in a lot of very, very controversial um, niches, I guess we'll say it today, uh, people are being indoctrinated with philosophy not necessarily with facts and you know we don't have to get into all the nitty-gritty about who's right or who's wrong or whatever but there are a lot of places where there are two very very opposing viewpoints and it's hard to think about how both of those could be factually correct and there's a there's a quote that I love from Derek Sivers he says that if information was all that we needed we'd all be billionaires with six pack abs <laughs> And so, you know, (laughs) that's just so perfectly well said that, you know, the information is out there. You can go and and learn how to start a business and how to get more engagement and how to all the steps and tips to do all of these things. But for whatever reason, as human beings, we're just not motivated by factual information. We're motivated by vision. We're motivated by inspiration. And, and all of that comes out of your philosophy. Why does this matter? What is it going to be like to go on this journey, to achieve this result, to become this type of person who is, you know, ultimately it is like you as the business owner, you know, a lot of people, especially for, for coaches, for course creators, for solo entrepreneurs, people are buying Your programs because they want to be more like you. They want to get the results that you have. They want to, you know, obviously they want to solve their problems, but they're following you because of that relationship they've built with you. And and they ultimately want to become more like you.
1: So how did you get into all of this?
0: So I made every single mistake in the book (laughs) and I learned the hard way. Uh, I, (laughs) I, yep. (laughs) Yeah. And so I I started out in, I actually, my first exposure to entrepreneurship, I was commuting from, I live in the Seattle area and I was commuting by bus to my job. And I got so bored of looking at Instagram memes that I started reading books. And I made a, a new year's resolution one year to start reading books and I ended up picking up Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And that book just blew my mind. I didn't know that entrepreneurship existed. I didn't know that you could start a business. I mean, I knew that someone had started the business that employed me, but I didn't realize that someone like me could do anything like that. And so I was like, I have to, I have to learn about this. I have to become an entrepreneur. I have to, you know, and I, I sort of went head first into the space and I started to fall for all of the sort of gimmicky, uh, I guess, dishonest, uh, the dark side of entrepreneurship, if you will. Um, I bought a lot, you know, and, and to be fair, uh, I definitely talk a lot of smack about the, the programs that are dishonest, but I was not at a place when I was just getting started, where I had really the maturity or the understanding or any of the maturity to take those things seriously and actually do what it took to be successful. I sort of fell for the myth that you can just quickly and easily just start up a business and you know people will just pay you indefinitely and you can retire to tahiti and just have my ties and have a nice relaxing life
1: we love talking so about that all the time it's like you're know, yeah. only one funnel away from a million dollars like yeah well you know you need about eight yeah. bad ones first and then you need about yeah. 36 good ones and then you get <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah so i uh yeah and and so you know through all of these failures we don't have to go through all of them but i've tried just about everything there is. I've tried all the gimmicks. I've tried all the real stuff too. And uh, I really started to get serious and it really helped me to take a step back. And I helped my fiance to start her business. She's a nutritional therapy practitioner. So she works with women who are struggling with autoimmune symptoms or gut health issues, uh, low energy fatigue, and she helps them with their diet and their exercise and habits to get rid of those symptoms, regain their energy, you know, that, that type of thing. So she's a coach and a lot of the biggest and hardest hitting mistakes we made were in starting her business and just hiring coaches who ripped us off and told us that we sucked and we couldn't succeed. And it was our fault and, you know, took all of our money, took all of our, our self-esteem and, I started to realize that I had accumulated a lot of these mistakes and that I had, you know, I I was waiting. I, I just thought that somebody needed to speak up about this type of thing. This, there's really a lot of ethical problems in the online business space. And for a long time, I thought that someone else would speak up about it. And the, with the circles that I was in, no one ever did and after a couple of years i realized that i was actually in a position to speak about and try to try to make a change try to help people to market themselves and their businesses ethically instead of thinking that the only way to be successful is with super clickbait Uh, marketing or by having a bunch of countdown timers and you close the cart and then, Oh, there was a technical difficulty. So the cart's actually still open. And like, yes, you can, you can gimmick your way into more sales and more transactions. But at the end of the day, it's another person on the other end of that sale. And you want to, you want to build a relationship with them. You want to help them. And, And there's this quote I really love from Charlie Munger, who is Warren Buffett's business partner, you know, at Berkshire Hathaway, and they've made billions and billions of dollars investing. And he says that if the crooks only knew how much money you could make by doing business ethically, they wouldn't be crooks. And I just, yeah, that just really, you know, really speaks to me. And yeah, I, I just want to share this message that you can start a business, you can market ethically, and you can succeed by building relationships and helping people. And you don't have to, you don't need to feel strong armed into clickbait type marketing because it's what everyone else is doing.
1: Very cool. So give us an example of one of your Cinderella stories and giving us your poor guinea pig story, your poor girlfriend. I mean, she's doing extremely well now, but give, give us a Cinderella story.
0: Sure. Yeah. You know, I think that, It's really about, it's really about the, the mindset is, um, you know, and, and, and this is not a place where people like to start, but when I think about uh, a friend of mine who I worked with, who, uh, he, and he's a, he's a friend now, um, he was recently, he had a lot of experience and he had built up his, uh, authority. And so he had a lot of good things going for him, but he was just going from sort of private, um, private, uh, how, how do I say this? He was going from a corporate job into starting his own business. And the marketing side of things was not only brand new to him, but he didn't like it. And he started to dip his toes into the, into the water. And started to go down this road of thinking that that he needed to do things in a certain way to to get results. And in working with him and talking to him, it was really about changing his mind about what marketing is. And and I know this is is not really uh, a Cinderella story, I guess, but I think just in its A huge win for me. And like we were just talking about with, with, I should walk that back. It's a huge win for him. And I see it as a win in my mind because of the win for him. You know, I don't want to take the work that he did away from him uh, because he did the work, you know, but I see it as a win because for every person that changes their mindset from trying to build, because it's it sort of it propagates with every person who is teaching these clickbait tactics and ripping people off or like leaving people demoralized or defeated, It creates another group of people who follow them who then do the same thing that they do. And so by helping one person who's about to go on that path and helping them to change, their, change their path back to sort of the light side, the good side, right? Is to, um, you know, that's a huge win because then the people who work with him will get better results. I, I truly believe they'll get better results by by building that relationship, by building that trust, they'll get better results. They'll stick around with him for longer and they'll refer him more clients. So it's really good for him and his business. But when they go out and if they decide to start a business or they decide to interact with other people in their life, they're going to bring a honest and ethical approach to that.
1: That's fantastic. I love that. So what are some of the stumbling blocks that somebody might be having right now? And they're thinking, oh my God, Andrew, I need you so badly right now.
0: (laughs) Uh, If they need to, um, they need help you mean with uh, with content creation, or is that what you're
1: thinking? Or um, yeah, like what might they? How do they know that they need help with content creation? Because I know there's some people out there that are like, "Oh no, I'm prolific at this. I'm fantastic," and you read their content, and it's like, "Oh dear God, I'm not sending it out to my people at all." But then <laughs> there's some people that are going, "Oh, like I just I need your help. What's going on for them?"
0: Yeah. Um, so I think that. It's sort of a, I, I fall back to this framework, right? There's, there's, it's a quadrant and it's like unconscious and unaware. And then there's like, or something, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to I'm pretty sure up. this so, is
1: Robert Kiyosaki's, d- but there's unconsciously d- okay. incompetent, consciously incompetent unconsciously confident and consciously confident.
0: <laughs> Thank you. You're, you're saving me because I was I was realizing I didn't know what were in the quadrants. I had the general idea in my head. But so anyways, I'm, I'm trying to say that some people may realize that they have the problem, but not have the, um, the technical, I guess, um, know how to solve it. And other people might not have the knowledge that they even have a problem, right? And so there's, I guess, sort of different approaches that you take to, and if, if people are happy with their approach, I don't think I would want to try to change that. You know, I, I'm i not here to tell you that your approach is wrong and you have to do it my way. You know, if you're, if you're doing something and it's working for you and you like it and you're getting results, absolutely stick with what you're doing. Uh, you know, it's, So maybe that's the
1: key right there is that they're just not getting the results. They're putting it out and they're starting to have a little self-doubt thinking, oh my God, it must be me. And sometimes it's not you at all. It's just the way you tell your story or that you're in front of the wrong people telling the right story. Yeah, that, that
0: could be it. But there's also one other thing too, that I think people really struggle with and that's consistency. There Mm -hmm. are you know, and we're kind of just touching on the edge of this, but there's so many things that you're being bombarded with all the time. That's like, Hey, you should check out, you know, people are trying to get you to abandon what's working to go after whatever it is that they're selling because it's new. It's what's working now. It's the hot thing. Everybody's doing it. And for a lot of people, they, they don't stick with something for long enough to really see results. And so the the easiest example of this would be going to the gym right with like a New Year's resolution. So typically what happens is everyone makes a New Year's resolution. I'm going to work out this year. I'm going to get in better shape. I'm going to do these things. I'm going to stick to my diet plan. I'm going to create content every day. I'm going to do a Facebook Live every day or whatever it is. Right, You make this commitment. And then when you go to the gym, you'll go for Three weeks and it's hard. It's it's hard to start to get back into that habit. And after three weeks, you've seen no progress. Or after three weeks of going live, you still don't have anybody who's joining in. You're not getting more engagement and you start to get demoralized. And then somebody's perfectly crafted advertisement comes up with just the perfectly good copy to derail you and get you onto something else. When really... You don't see, start to see results in the gym until after that third week. You don't start to see results with your content creation or with, with most things until you've done it consistently over the long term. And so that's something I focus on a lot is cons- consistently working on the fundamentals and the things that are going to drive your business forward rather than sort of getting caught up in, in hype if you will, Um, and and to give, you know, I guess to give a personal example of that, I, in, in 2020, when I was first, I was getting serious about this business, I looked at what people I thought who were successful, I looked at what they were doing, and I noticed that a lot of them were publishing content every single day. And I made the commitment to myself to p- publish, to write an email, to write a post every single day for the year for 2020, and I got about 330 done in that year. So it was by no means perfect, but you know it was a great accomplishment for me. It's something that I'm proud of, and it's more important than that. It built the habit of writing every day, and so I still am writing at least six days a week. Um, and and you know I thought that by doing that I would. I'd have 365 posts. Hopefully I'd become a little bit better of a writer. And I thought that would be it. But I also was able to refine the way that I write and sort of streamline the process of how I I reuse and repurpose content that I'm writing. So if I write an email, I'm not just sending it out and then it goes to the people who are on my list and no one ever sees it again because there's new people coming onto my list. You need to see that, right? And so what I was also able to do that I didn't expect at all was I was able to write a book, I was able to create a course, I was able to publish, uh, I started a monthly training series, and I was able to publish eight months of that training series. And all of that came out of that daily writing habit. And when I started out, I just had no idea that any of that was going to be possible. And not only that, but then I started to I'd be writing a post and I would think, oh, this relates to that story that I was telling a couple of weeks ago where I got it from this other angle and I could pull in three or four different things. And then boom, there's a blog post just by combining these similar ideas that are taking different angles or or putting things sequentially. And I, I think that as humans, we see things very linearly. We think that if I work, if I go to the gym for three weeks, you know, and I draw a linear trajectory, I should be here. And then we get demoralized when we're not there. Or we think, you know, if I start my business in a month, I should be making, you know, this much money per month. And we, then we compare ourselves to everyone else who's out there who's making more money or who's more successful or has more cars or whatever status symbols. And that's demoralizing, right? But the results come in an exponential fashion, you know, and a lot of these in nature, it's not truly exponential because it doesn't just continue to go to infinity, right? If you if you keep going to the gym, your muscles aren't going to get so big that you explode, right? Eventually it's going to taper off and it's going to flatten out. But with writing and with content creation, for example, you, the more you write, the more opportunities you have to connect all of these different building blocks and all of these different little ideas together. And so that's what I think about my you know, every piece of content that I write is a little tiny storage unit. It's a building block that then I can have permanently in my records. And then when I get an idea for a larger training, I can grab all of these different building blocks and start to put them together in a way that obviously you need to edit it for some sort of continuity or, or change the wording around a little bit. So it's not quite like Legos, but I think about it like Legos in that I'm collecting, you buy all these different kits and you, you, know, you make the kits, play with them for a little while but then you blow everything up and you throw all your bricks in one big bucket and you let your imagination go wild and see what you can build with all the little pieces of information or stories or, or just little nuggets that you've accumulated.
1: I love that. That is absolutely brilliant. And it reminds me, we were having a conversation this morning that I have to write a book because we've decided that that's what my audience does. They read books. So we're going through and we're kind of brainstorming. Well, what are we going to do? Oh, well, we could do this that I just talked about in that podcast. And we could do this that I just talked about in that interview. <laughs> I'm just going to take those interviews and put them into the book and bam, have a book. So yeah, it's, I absolutely love those tips and tricks. So if you weren't listening to that peeps, you got to go back and rewind and get all of those because that was golden right there. Those are awesome. So speaking of, yep. I
0: did want to share one note on that because this totally blew my mind when I heard this, but uh, I was reading a Dan Kennedy book and in it, he said that uh, the word author is the first half of the word authority. So if you want to be an authority in your niche, you know, we have been talking about positioning a little bit here, becoming an author is a super easy way to really grow your authority. And when I heard that, I was like, wow, I've looked, you know, I've looked at that word many times before, but I never saw the word author in there. So (laughs) definitely an awesome decision to write a book.
1: Well, and if somebody is writing 365 blogs in a year, they certainly have content for a book. That's fantastic. Well, it's a great yeah. way to start it because it breaks it down into just write about something and then grab the things that become interesting or, or part of the story arc that you want to tell in the book. And it's already yeah. done.
0: The hardest thing in the world is to sit in front of a blank page and just watch the cursor blank and have nothing. <laughs> and... So I, ne- I never start from that point. I always like to have at least an outline of other ideas or other pieces of content that I've written. And oftentimes, you know, that'll be the starting point, but then I'll jump off into something new or, or get other ideas going, but you always have to have something down on that page to jump off from.
1: Absolutely. If nothing else, grab somebody else's content and write and start erasing what you don't like and go, oh, I don't agree with that. I would change that to this. Oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> so, that's
0: interesting. Anyway. Yeah, I have I've not done that in that way. You know, I've taken <laughs> have taken some, you know, you'll you'll see other people and that's a really good way to carve out your own space is to just look at what other people are talking about and say, oh, you know, this was really interesting. I totally agree with these things. But on this, you know, I would change these things because of these reasons you know, if you're struggling for content ideas, there's more than enough other people's content out there that I'm sure that you can find ways to agree and add, you know, it's, you don't want to go around just trashing everyone because that's not (laughs) going to go well, but find ways to agree and expand upon and, and add your wisdom and your experience in there.
1: Love it. Love your approach. Love your attitude towards the whole thing. This is fantastic. So I know that some of our listeners are going to want more of you. So how did they start their journey with you?
0: So the easiest way to get in touch with me to see what I'm up to, to improve, you know, if you're looking to improve your content creation strategies, uh, it'd be go to, go to andrewbrider.com. That's my website. You can, I have got a couple of free goodies there that will show you my approach to content creation and it's. Not just the same stuff that we talked about in this interview. I know sometimes it can be, um, and it it has been on other (laughs) conversations that I've had just for one reason or another, but it's mostly completely different than what we've talked about. So it's not just going to be a rehash of this. And um, yeah, like I said, I email at least six days a week. So if you want to get more ideas on how you can improve your content, grow your audience and uh, make more sales in your business. You can find me at andrewbrider.com.
1: Awesome. And for those of you who are listening to this, not watching, Andrew B. Ryder is R-Y-D-E-R. But if you go into the notes, you'll be able to find that. Just look for Andrew or writing and he will come up. I assure you engaging. We'll make sure we have all of those keynote our keywords there so that you can search on those. So before we leave, I have to ask you, Andrew, at what point in life did you know that you were the special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur?
0: You know, I think that I was just naive enough to think that I could do it. And I didn't figure out how hard it was going to be until I was far enough in that I was fully committed. Um, but I think that, you know, I've changed my approach from trying to optimize for an easy life to trying to optimize for a good life. And The more that I work on my business and the more that I interact with people and the more that I have conversations like this, the more that I'm just reassured that the hard work is totally worth it.
1: Absolutely. I think it's built that way by design. You got to be in the deep end before you realize that, oh, this sucks, (laughs) but I got to get out (laughs) to the other side. So off we go. That's been awesome. So thank you so much for your time today. I value it and I appreciate it. But before I let you go, any last words for our peeps?
0: No, I don't think so. I just would say thank you so much, Michelle, for having me. And thank you to everyone for listening. And uh, I really hope that you got a lot out of the
1: show. Awesome. So go check out andrewbrider.com, Go and get your gifts and go and connect with him. Sign up for his newsletter because he's got a ton of awesome content. Great. Right. So this is Michelle Nidalek. Thank you for being with us here today. If you know anyone who would make a great guest for the show, or if you have a question or topic that you'd like me to discuss, reach out to me at awareness, Michelle at awarenessstrategies.com or connect with me on LinkedIn or Facebook. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to our show. I am all about being a resource center for entrepreneurs to give them the information and the support that they need to make it in business. As such, I have Taking Your Business Digital Q&A every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Mountain. To register for that, go to awarenessstrategies.com digital. That's D-I-G-I-T-A-L. I look forward to meeting you and actually finding out how you are. So see you on the flip side.